Hello and welcome to episode 684 of The Sleeper in the Bust. It is Thursday, May 9th. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, joined by Justin Mason. Justin, what's going on, man? Nothing much. It's another day in paradise. No no hitters to sleep through tonight, so... <laughs> or last night. It was, <laughs> it was pretty fun, man. I, I enjoyed watching it. We were kind of watching it on stream. You know, it gets to that fifth inning mark. They put the little uh, red thing, which, by the way, I'm fine with. We had some people in my... My Twitch chat, like, oh, you know, they shouldn't put it out till it's like through seven or whatever. No, no, no. they're trying to generate interest. So they put that little on the MLB, uh, on the app, ad app, on iPad, they put that little red banner under the score that says no hitter or perfect game. I think when it's through five, which is early, I mean, there's a lot to go, but I, I, I side with them on it. I mean, you couldn't go earlier than that, but I think five is the right number. It has to be through five innings. You should just do it through one inning. And, you know, Perfect through one, baby. Let's go. Have like seven different ones down there at the same time, and uh, uh yeah, I'm bummed because I, I hadn't gotten very much sleep that day and had to work that night, and so, uh, and then the game got delayed because of the light issue. Yes, that that was the thing. Too, and I was so. like, ugh, you know, I'm not staying up for this. I'm, I'm going to bed, and like, That's- I wake up and it's like, oh, he threw a hitter. I'm like, huh, oh, well, that serves me right. That's a spore special right there. I'm a I'm a night owl, and so. I absolutely loved it getting uh, pushed. You know, going to lead into talking about the DFS. Real tough scene for Jen. She had Whit Merrifield, who went off 45 points. Solid outing from Barrios. She's sitting like 21st. It was 20 pay. And has Votto, Senzel, and Thor in the night games. <laughs> Hell of a setup to like Get, really uh... do well. She got a combined nine and a half points from those three players, all from Thor. Yeah, well, I think so. her and I were kind of in lockstep. Uh, I got to bring up. But I, I know in one league it might have been that in, in our, our DFS league. I had a red stack. Oh, so, dang. Like at one, point, at one point, like before the game even started, I looked. I was like, oh, I only have like six points. Oh, oh wait, I got a bunch of reds going. Oh, right that's there. all right. Yeah, the, they're going to they're gonna dominate him. Yeah, so. I did terribly. I was 113. Um, I couldn't even get to 69 points, which would have been nice. I had 68.05. Uh, congratulations to uh, how would you pronounce that? It, J E. It's uh James Allen is his actual. I know name. I know his names, but but I know his name, but I wanted to pronounce the handle. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, James Allen G G Ali. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like uh, James uh, is a former member of Friends of Fantasy Benefits. There you go. So. 161 point. Nice little. He edged him too. I mean, that one's down too. It's probably our closest one. 161.2 to 160.85 to Brock Ness Monster. And then Endstripe, 160.05. I believe Endstripe won either one of these before or a um, or a Sunday night showdown. And he had Mike Fires. So uh, credit to him there. How many people? We had 150. And so, yeah, three people had fires, 2%, and he was one of them. So he does cash out there. So a nice little close race. Then you had 159.2. Those top four there, they were really battling um, for, for the for the DraftKings there. So we had to hustle a little bit to get the 150, but we got it. And uh, so that's good. Just make sure you're looking for it. Monday nights is when we first create it. Post it up on Twitter, Facebook group. It's in the Roto Write-Up. $5 on DraftKings. It's a lot of fun. And... Um, yeah, you can join it every week. We've been doing we've been doing them every week so far. This was the sixth one, so congratulations yeah. to James. I had the uh, amazing pitching duo of Colin McHugh and Daniel Norris. 
<laughs> that didn't that didn't go well for you. You didn't no, cash with that. No negative. And, and crazy. This is probably the only situation in Dan, when Daniel Norris outscores another pitcher. Yeah, exactly. Because uh, Colin Q got me negative nine and a, or nine and a quarter points. Yeah, so Goodness, that was that was dude, fun. Yeah, he he was terrible. Um, you actually finished below me at one at one twenty five. I was one thirteen. I had Barrios and Lester, so I, my pitching was fine. Not a single hitter went double digits for me, and I really kind of went in. I, I needed the other side of that McHugh You know the situation. insane part is? So here's my hitting lineup. I'm going to leave one one name out. Uh, uh, I had Robinson Chineros, five points. Uh, Josh Bell, nine points. Jose okay. Altuve, zero. Carlos Correa, zero. Tommy Pham, zero. Yasiel Puig, two. Brian Reynolds, zero. So then negative 9.25 spot from Colin McHugh and five points from Daniel Norris. The only reason. No, the only reason I didn't uh, finish last is I had Justin Turner for 51 points. Dude, did anybody have like, (laughs) I mean, obviously not. They would have run away. But Fires, Turner, and Merrifield, could you imagine? I'm sure there was a GPP where someone had. Oh, somewhere, yes. Somewhere. Like imagine like. Ryu, Fires, Turner, Merrifield. You just you just win everything. That's crazy. But uh, anyway, so that's the DraftKings. Want to give a uh, mention to the fact that our second chance leagues are available now. Yes. And a lot of y'all told us you wanted to play. So let's get signed up. I think I've got uh, seven spots left. Yeah, you can go to the lobby and, um, and take a look. It'll say Memorial Day, second chance. My draft is on... May 24th, Friday, May 24th at 11 p.m. Eastern. It's a night one, a little night owl one. Um, and then yours is the next day at 10 p.m. Eastern. Yep. yep May 25th. 25th. So, um, yeah, and both of them have eight spots yep. left. Eight, eight spots. So. so get in there. It's, th- it's 350 bucks. Second chance league. There's going to be an overall prize. And, um, yeah, I mean, these, these are out there. Team up with somebody if you want. It's, I'm actually really excited about this to do another draft two months into the season and really kind of see how that draft goes. You know, how much do you weigh those first two months? We talked a little bit about it uh, a couple weeks back. Obviously, that was only a month in, though. That whole second month is really going to change things. So, And we'll um, talk about yeah. it some more at, leading up to it. Uh, but no doubt. Like even if you're not going to jump in our leagues, if if you can afford this and you want, you know, or are interested yeah. at all, do it because this gives Greg and NFBC a real barometer of whether this kind of format can work. And exactly, I think you it's don't a have great to join idea. ours, mm-hmm. but um, if our times don't work for you, fair enough. But jump in to one of them if you do like it, like like Justin saying, so that they know that this has some legs and that people want to do this. Um, and that they didn't go for too many leagues or whatever, because I do think it's something that's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, I'm pretty excited about it. So, yeah, jump jump in ours if you're interested, but at least if not, find one and, and let us know then. Say, hey, you know, couldn't do y'all's times, but I did get in, and that way we know what kind of interest we were able to generate for them because we kind of told them, hey, we had a lot of people say that they wanted to be in. I totally understand if our times don't work. So that's NFBC. Uh, you could just go to the lobby. Um, I'll post a link to the lobby and then you can just look for the date that you want select baseball and you'll see all the memorial day second chance leagues all right so that we got all that out of the way there let's dive into some news we're gonna talk a little bit of news here and then get into some some surprising top tens uh at each position using the rasball 
player rater. Uh, but we'll start with injuries, as we always do. Pedro Strope to the IL. This one's a bummer because uh, I really thought he was going to take that job and run with it. I was drafting him as a full season kind of closer here. Uh, didn't really have any confidence that that uh, Brandon Morrow was going to get healthy. Grade two hamstring strain. That's rough. They're looking at a committee right now. Of course, I believe that's only until somebody emerges. They do have some candidates who could, in fact, emerge. Carl Edwards Jr. is back. He was absolutely horrific to start the season, but he's back. He's been clean in two outings as far as no walks. Steve Sishek, been a closer before. He's pitched pretty well. Brandon Kinsler, same thing. He's been a closer before. He's pitched pretty well this year. Brad Brock is a is an interesting name until you go look and see that he puts uh, Carl Edwards Jr. to shame with the walk rate, <laughs> or or at least matches him. He has 16 walks in 15 innings, so the 17 strikeouts can only do so much. So I wouldn't even really rank him at this point. I, I think I'm looking Sishak, Kinsler, Edwards, yep. and um, you know I don't really put Chatwood or Alan Webster even as the darkers. I think it's those three. So how do you rank those three, and who would you go after this week in FAB between Steve Sishek, Brandon Kinsler, Carl Edwards Jr. for the Cubs' closer job? I think I am going to rank Sishek number one. Just okay. Track record and yeah. – And pitching well, too. This and, year. yeah, pitching very well. Ten strikeouts per nine, uh, 318 ERA. Uh, I don't really think I'm going to take too many shots on the other guys, but – if I had to, I'm probably putting Kinsler second. I could see bidding on them in the same bid window. Yes. And putting them for much cheaper, something yeah. like that. So if you're putting... I, mean, I assume that Shusek's going to go for 10%, if not more, probably even closer to 20% of remaining fabs. Especially if he collects like two, three saves the rest of the mm-hmm. week. That will obviously send him sky high. So, and and I'll, I'll be in on that. Uh, you know, mainly because in the main event I have Pedro Strope. That's the thing. I've got I've got too much Strope to not really be in on this, so I definitely mm-hmm. will be taking a look there. Uh, but yeah, I think that could shake out well, and 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 Sisha could end up being kind of a valuable guy there. Um, and then, like I said, put your put your backups on Kinsler and Edwards if you want to snake a few saves and just get a cheap middle reliever. Now, if you can't use kind of a you know quality middle reliever who's snaking the, the occasional save, then maybe you only go C-Sheck and kind of back off beyond that. But that's that's how I think that that's going to shake out as far as the Cubs' bullpen goes. And Strope is going to be out for a decent while here with that hamstring strain. Um, let's go to Chris Davis uh, for Oakland. He played the field in Pittsburgh. You know, he's a primary DH and got hurt. I mean, that that just happens. Like, it's not like he never plays the field in, in a- AL games. Um, he just happened to get hurt on this one where obviously he was he was forced to play the field to get his bat in the lineup. He came back but then re-aggravated it. It's a hip situation right now for Chris Davis. Uh, how concerned are you about this, and do you think this is going to require an IL stint? It seems like it's heading that way. Uh, though I will say this: the Pittsburgh series is the only series this year where he's played the field. So uh, I think that... I guess he only did play 11 games there last year too. So I, and I thought that, he was playing a little bit be, more. Yeah, you know, those most, could be those could be interleague as well. I'm actually going to look it up while you're uh, talking. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking it up too. Uh, I I think it is likely he's going to hit the IL. It's unfortunate because he even played that one game. Uh, yeah, three of his games were in Colorado. All but three. Okay. All but three of those 11 were uh, 
in NL parks last year for Chris Davis. So, yeah, I just the, – the flare-up really kind of scares me. And he, he was supposed to play, what, like the night before and then was a late scratch. Uh, he was a late because, scratch in the fires? Yeah. In was, the fires no-no? Mm-hmm. Okay. And so it seems like this is heading to an IL, but uh, – I won't imagine that it's a t- like a crazy one to freak out about, though. Mm-hmm. I think it is something that with a little bit of time to just kind of – it's a hip contusion for Chris Davis. Uh, contusion is a fancy word for bruise, and, but bruises can be substantial and they can be painful. They can just need some time, though. Um, you and know. a hip's one of those things, man. When you hurt your hip, you need it's, that. Yeah, it's it, it's it's not an easy injury. I, I've had constant hip problems over the last few years, uh, and it's uh, yeah, when, when it flares up, it, it can floor you. Yeah, for sure. So I think we're going to see that. Uh, and if you are in an FBC style league where you can change out players uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, probably look to get Chris Davis out of there right now um, and just kind of, you know, I mean, depending on what kind of option you have, if you don't have a great option, maybe just ride it out and hope you get lucky. Yeah, the best. But um, I think it's, it's leaning toward an IL situation. Completely agree. All right, let's move on to Buster Posey hitting the concussion IL with – Believe it or not, a concussion. Um, yeah, Shocking, uh, the phrasing there was yeah. very stupid by me. But yeah, this sucks. Uh, the concussions are always scary, particularly for catchers. I think the real situation here that I would like to ask about is how much longer is he catching, do you really think? Well, the problem is where else is he going to play? Because they've got Brandon Belt locked up for like another three years. Uh, and, and Longoria, right? Because he can Longoria, play some third. Yeah, Longoria is locked up as well. So I've got an idea. Make him a second baseman. I mean, I guess you could try. I think he's athletic enough, and I think Posey can handle second base. Yeah, I mean, Joe Panic's not doing anything to prevent that. No, I, I so. think uh, yeah, especially with them drafting Joey Bart, you have mm-hmm. to think eventually they're going to look to. Uh, move him out from behind the plate and but then it becomes like how valuable is Buster Posey? Sure. Is he Joe Maurer? Yeah, but at second base it's better than at first base. Yeah. I don't Here's I mean something. I don't think they're going to move him to second base personally, but I don't know, I made that up cuz um, they need a spot. They they owe Brennan Belt 16 million dollars a year for the two years after this one, so through 2021. Okay. Um I mean they could probably eat half of that and trade him. Right, I mean that's probably the answer, I I, yeah. I would think because yeah, and that would probably be best for Brandon Belt's career anyways. Oh, it would absolutely be better. I mean he he's like the most talked about. What if he was traded to somewhere where left-handers could actually get home runs? Uh, that gets talked about every single year as far as uh, as far as Brandon Belt goes. So yeah, I, I totally think it would be favorable for him to to get out of there. Here's something regarding Posey, and this was even before the concussion situation. Ten team, one catcher. Are you cutting him for some of these, some of these risers? Mm, We're going to talk not. about one. Um, I, I mean, so not- at least Posey. I know he hasn't been hitting for average this year, but I I would fully expect him to bring that average up uh, once he's I would back cut in health. Huh? I, I I could get that. I've got him um, in Towers right now, so it's just a place I can't cut him in two catcher yeah, for sure. only. But uh, and, and this is one catcher, ten team. This is a specific league type here. 
I would just either play some of the catcher roulette or pick up some of these guys that uh, that have been around that that have been performing that are still around on the waiver wire because I don't know what's he really giving you nothing. Yeah, especially with him on the IL. If you've got limited IL spots, I'm not going to hold on to him on to my like bench or reserve list. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, in that case, I probably would drop him. All right, so that's Buster Posey um, on the concussion IL. We'll see what happens in a week and kind of take it from there. Uh, two big moves as far as prospects getting sent down. We always talk about when they come up. Two guys didn't make the grade here and got sent down. Carter Keyboom uh, down for the Washington Nationals. Just never really got going here. Hit that homer to open. And, ah, here it goes. He's going to hit 9,000 homers. 128, 209, 282 for the 21-year-old. He's out. And Nate Lowe gets sent down. That one was a little bit more surprising because, you know, he, he wasn't great by any stretch, 257, 289, But he didn't really get a chance. And to tell you how volatile, I, I'm, I'm so reluctant to even say he didn't do well because um, he was hitting 300 before yesterday's 0 for 5. Yeah. So we had nothing like the, um, the day before that he was hitting 259. So he went from 259 to 300 yeah, the day to before that he was hitting like one something, you know, it was like, yeah. So it's, it's like it's, it's super nothing. early season sample type stuff. Uh, this one was much more surprising than the Carter key boom. Mostly because yeah, key boom, had key boom was awful defensively, like really, Brutal. really bad. And so they can't like. If he came up and hit, I think they probably could have looked past the defensive woes. Sure. He, I, I can't remember what game it was, but he literally cost them a game. Oh, uh, no, it, defense, it was so. it was rough. I feel like every yeah. time I watched the Nats game, he had something, a bobble, a kick. Even if they weren't errors, they were like small little plays that he had to recover from for Carter Keyboom and, and, and make the play. It was it was tough. So, But Lowe didn't get a fair shake, I don't think, and it was a bit surprising to see them – because uh, one of the things I'd said when they brought him up is I don't think that they're bringing him up to just send him right back down. Uh, that's kind of what I thought. Yeah, that's not really their M.O. to begin with. And this guy is probably one of the three or four best bats on this team. So I think, well, maybe not yet, especially with the way some guys are performing. I think what it really does this is the accelerated return of Austin Meadows, or at least I feel like he's returning ahead of he schedule. Is. He's, he's, okay. re- he's returning, uh, I believe, uh, maybe tomorrow, actually. No, yeah, it's this weekend. So that's 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 part of it. I still thought, I mean, I guess with Abisal Garcia performing so well, um, you know, he's going to shift back over to the, to the DH. Meadows is going to take that spot. G-Man goes back to first. I think they're just... In the end, it, it comes to favoring G-Man Choi over <laughs> Nate Lowe, which is is kind of a 10-year thing. And I don't know that it's completely out of bounds, though. Nate Lowe has options. I guess. G-Man doesn't. I mean, he was great against righties last year. You can't really... I don't think we can really say that... You know, 96 plate appearances into the season uh, against righties, 108 total. Can't do it again. He's been fine, 772 OPS against righties for G-Man. It was surprising. I thought they, I was with you where they were bringing up Nate Lowe to really give him, a, give him an extended look. But this, I think it makes sense when you really see the puzzle pieces that they had and they just have to send him back down because he's he happens to be one of the guys with options for Nate Lowe, so... But I think this is uh, kind of begs a discussion real quick that we had on yeah, no, Twitter. No. That's that's exactly what I was going to transition into next and talk about uh, 
um, something that you you put out that, you know, I, I knew it would be taken that way, and it kind of frustrated me. That's why I jumped mm-hmm. in immediately. Like you were saying, nah, 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 I told y'all not to do that. You started a, uh, a thread really of saying this is kind of the danger uh, of buying in on these guys at such a high rate. Mm-hmm. And what I took it was we don't give enough credence to the downside. Yeah. You said people are learning a hard lesson about blowing your fab on a prospect today. Sometimes it pays off, to, sometimes it doesn't. Never forget the old saying, prospects are suspect until proven otherwise. Absolutely. And 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 Matt Thompson says, I stand by my process. It all it all depends. And, and that's I, one of the things too. But you, you go ahead. What was the basis of, of what you were saying? I mean, the basis of what I was saying was exactly what you just said is that uh, and I, I, I shouldn't be surprised it was taken as some sort of victory lap, though I think those people out there that read my stuff or listen to me here or on, on uh, the million other podcasts that I do know that I was in on both of these guys. So mm-hmm. it'd be really weird for me to t- be taking a victory lap on guys that I w- was, you know, got on my teams that I promoted that. Uh, but I'm saying like th- there is inherent risk to prospects. And I think that we have seen, we've been spoiled by so many that have come up and hit right away and been fantastic from the from Jump Street uh, that we forget that the failure rate isn't that uh, isn't that low for a lot of these guys, especially these guys that weren't necessarily considered, you know, the top one, two, or three prospects in the game. So yeah. I, I think we need to reevaluate how we look at these guys and how much fab we're willing to bid because you with low, you could literally be flushing it down the toilet. You know, this is a guy that, uh, and and Matt Thompson jumped in because he spent five hundred and twenty four dollars on him in TGFBI, uh, and then a week later, how much? Five hundred and twenty four dollars. I mean. Which, like, don't get me wrong, I understand where Matt was coming from. Uh, I tried hard to talk him out of it. Matt Matt is a prospect guy, and he's looking, this is the last impact prospect that's coming up this season. Uh, Oh, that's not true. Well, in his his belief, I think, outside of maybe Jorge Mateo or or Kyle Tucker. Your Nalvara does not exist anymore? I don't think he is that as impactful as maybe other people or Matt doesn't think he's as impactful as other people. So, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. that being said, $500 was way too much. And I told yeah, him that before, I don't he, know. before he made the bid. Yeah. Um, this is not a hindsight thing that, that yeah. that's just, a, it doesn't make any sense. I told him you, you can bid three fifty and you'll still overkill it. But yeah. that, that being said, uh, I think ultimately we need to, One, as an industry, and I think this is where I was kind of starting with it, was I think we need to kind of talk about these inherent risks because I think it's easier for us when we see these kind of flashy prospects to come up to go, oh, I want them on my team. Go bid 10, 20% of your remaining fab. Uh, Make sure you get this guy. But we don't talk about the fact that these guys are risky. These guys have never played at the major league level. And, And no matter the fact that we're dealing with juice balls doesn't take away the fact that uh, it's not easy to hit a baseball at the major league level, and exactly some of these no, guys I, are gonna fail. I agree, and that's what I'm saying. That was my big point too: was that we just don't give enough credence mm-hmm. to the downside, and and talk more about that. Um, 
and say like, okay, we're bidding this. Here's the path to how it doesn't work. He doesn't start off strongly. And then this player, you know, takes, takes the spot. Or in this case, we could have said maybe um, when Austin Meadows returns, where is he going to play? You know, I think that's all, that's all it is. It's just being a little bit more honest about how it can go wrong as opposed to only being excited about how it goes right. And this doesn't bury them either, and I hope people don't think that's what I'm saying either because, I mean, Mike Trout struggled in his major league debut mm-hmm. and got sent back down, had to come back up the next year. So, I mean, if Mike Trout can struggle, anyone can struggle. Look, look at Vlad Guerrero. Vlad Guerrero struggling right now. He's probably, you know... Not too many more games away from also being sent back down. Mm, I don't think that's happening, but I, it only shouldn't. Be, but I, they're they're not playing for anything. There's no reason for them to, especially after they they they, they screwed around with him for so long. And uh, I, I got a feeling they're just going to let him go, uh, which is what they should mm, do. No, it absolutely depends on how he performs. I, I don't think you can get another 15 games of a 433 type of deal. Like that kind of production. I, I think he's going to be fine. I think right now nobody's throwing Vlad Jr. strikes at all. And, you know, he's wanting to just say, I'll still hit it. I mean, 31% zone rate is absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think at some point you just worry about how much it builds on itself. Because no matter what, you can tell him, hey, this, you know, there's nothing you're doing wrong, et cetera, et cetera. And yet he's still going to be like this this sucks and start, you know, spiraling on himself a little bit. So he's 20 years old. Again, I I think it's a a bit away, but I think like what, 15, I said 30 games. I I messaged you just, uh, it was you, Jason, you know, I said, how many games and what sort of performance does it take for uh, Vlad to get sent down? And I, I think sub 600 OPS and 30 games. So he has 20 more games. If he doesn't jump up over, 300 or uh, oh, over a 600 OPS. I think that's when we start right. to see him. Here's down. the question then Will so Vlad be in the major leagues by the time we do our second chance leagues? I'm going to say yes because I'm still confident that he's going to come out of it. Yeah. I I think I think even if he doesn't, he's still in, in the majors. I don't. You Okay. You think 20 games from now, 480 OPS, he's still in the bigs? I do. So 30 games in. There's no chance. We'll see. Well, There's hopefully we won't no see. I, I'd, ra- no, I'd rather, I'd rather him be great. So yeah, uh, especially for my uh, my online championship team. I think he needs to go up there for for like a game or two and just not swing. Yeah, just spit on everything. And just take five walks. I mean, he's know, got four, pretty four good walks. understanding of the strike zone. So oh, like, he absolutely does. I think uh, he's just trying to make things happen right now. Yeah, these strikeouts, like I think it's just impatience of like throw me something, you effers. You know, like where are the meathead idiots who just want to challenge rookies and get decimated? He's like, where are those clowns? Bring those clowns back. Mm -hmm. That probably did that for his dad when he first came up. I mean, I don't know if you're looking at his page right now. Do you know what his zone contact rate is? Uh, Yeah, I I am looking at it. Why don't you let folks know? It is 90.6. Yeah, so when they do come in, they're (laughs) in trouble. Yeah, it's... He's uh... just trying to make things happen. I have zero concerns about him. Mm -hmm. My only concern will be the team kind of protecting him if this continues to to happen. Do you think you can buy low on him right now? I think you can get a, a bit of a discount. Not nothing crazy, but let's say he, you know, he was a third, fourth rounder, you can maybe get a a flashy eighth round pick 
who's performing that has some viability to what he's doing. Mm, okay. I, I think I might try to go do that, actually. Yeah, so, I mean, something like it has to be somebody who is performing and and isn't just a flat. Like you're not getting, you're not doing Hunter Pence, who, by the way, I actually do believe in what he's doing. He's he's been amazing. Go look at his stack has numbers animal. off the charts. It's insane. But I I don't think even somebody who is well backed by the metrics like that, like Hunter Pence, no. But uh, would you trade Josh Bell for Vlad? No, you wouldn't. Not with the way, and it has nothing to do with Vlad. It has everything yeah, yeah. to do with Josh Bell. So. Um, okay, but, well then that might that kind of changes my tune because I mean that he's way later than an eighth rounder who's performing well. I was in on Bell though, so I mean Bell's like car- literally carrying my my NFB. All right, well we'll talk more about him in a moment actually because he's he's on our surprise. Here, here we go. Like uh, like I would trade uh, Christian Walker for him. Okay, well yeah, I know anyone would do that though. Um, I think it needs to be a little bit more of a an established name. That's why I used Bell. Dun, 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 dun. David Peralta. I'm uh, not sure that gets it done, but I I would do that. Uh, hmm. Mitch Haniger. That wouldn't get it done. You don't think that would get it done? I I don't think it's an insulting offer, but I I don't think it it gets it done. Um, what about? This wouldn't get done either, but his performance has been great. What about Paul DeYoung? Man, that's like right at my heart right there. I know. That's why why I said it. I don't think I would trade Paul DeYoung for him. I just love Paul DeYoung too. I don't know that that's completely out of bounds. In a redraft league, this is all redraft chatter right Mm -hmm. here with Vlad Jr. trade talks. Yeah, yeah, obviously, Uh, in in a a, uh, dynasty or keeper, Vlad's still like a top. You know, five, six, ten eight, player. Yeah, yeah. Uh, eight at like the. I think it's like the low end. Okay, what about Pete Alonso? Ooh, that's interesting. Last year, rookie going off. Do you want? Do you want him? I'll t- I'll take that slug, Vlad Junior. You got here. Let, let me just get that. I'll give you this Pete Alonso here. What do you think if about you, that? If you need average, I think I would do that. Um, I, and I know Pete Alonso. He started to pick it back up here a little bit, but. No one was talking about the fact that all of a sudden Pete Alonzo wasn't hitting like at all. No, he was he was really hitting the skids. You know, an interesting fact about him is only one of his home runs has come against a starter. I don't really? know what that means. Like, I don't know if there's anything actionable or anything about that. But yeah, yeah. I mean, he's over the last two weeks he's hitting two twenty two, and that's including the three for five the other night. Let's so. say you clicked on pitching. You really, you really just knocked it out of the park. Would you move Paddock for Vlad? Yes. Ooh, God, that's hard. Yeah, I think I would because I think Paddock. I, I don't know how Paddock is going or how long he's going to pitch for. I think that's that makes it easier for Paddock mm-hmm. specifically. So, what about another guy who's performing similarly but doesn't really have any innings concerns? Caleb Smith who I know that you weren't so keen on, but obviously you've changed your tune mm-hmm. somewhat at least. I think I would entertain that. I don't know if I'd do it. I think it really depend on what my team needed. But sure. yeah, I think that. So I think there's that there, is there, fair. there's some interesting stuff out there. There may be some folks who just hardline and say it's ten games. Don't even come at me. That would be me if I had Vlad. Um, I'm I'm not entertaining anything right now. I mean, I, I shouldn't you, say that. You can't come one for one. Like you have to come yeah, like a two for two or two for three type deal. No, uh, you're right. 
Because right. yeah, one for one, people are just gonna go. No, I mean he's just got up. He's you know yeah. he'll be, he'll be yeah. fine. Uh, but if you you know if you had like I don't know you know him and a pitcher for another hitter and another you know different pitcher type thing, I think that's how you would get a deal like that done. I agree. I think that starts to starts to get it uh, a little bit better there for Vlad Jr. But anyway. Prospects, man, they they are ve- they are very suspect. Um, you have to you still have to be aggressive with them though. Like that that's the thing about Justin's message wasn't never be aggressive on them because they are often a lot of the best pickups each year. Like because they come more ready made and and you know for every Nate Low, I mean not for every but for um, you know every key boom and low. So for every two busts, there's a Michael Chavis who is carrying teams right now. Mm-hmm. So what? Yeah, I, I was agreeing. Yeah. So I think, you know, you need to balance it. Just be aware of the downside. That was the Ch- point of Chavis your message. Is kind of screwing me in the one spot I've got him. How so? So I've got him in the, good? I have him in the Rotowire dynasty invitational. Okay. He was part of a number of, you know, I'm, I'm rebuilding that, that dynasty team and, so I traded off a bunch of my older vets and stuff to kind of load up on on top tier prospects, uh, and Chavis is one of the guys that I ended up with, and unfortunately he's my only offensive player that is actually in the majors and healthy. And holy cow! Uh, yeah, so I mean I literally have it's all my team is all minor leaguers or guys on the IL. Uh, the problem with that is he's hitting like three seventy. And because it's a dynasty league and there's no minimums, I'm actually at the top of the average department in the league, and it's keeping me out of the bo- like the bottom of the league. That's hilarious. So it's like all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, what? Like it? Like ah? Like how? How do I? Like you don't want to like show you're completely. I mean, obviously, I'm punting. I'm, I've got all prospects, but like he's like screwing me because he's having too good of a year. You're like, hey, slow, slow it down yeah. over there. Yeah, yeah. Hit for power, but not average, dude. Come on. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, all right, let's move on then and talk about our our surprising top tens here in the Rasball Player Raider. And you go Rasball.com/slash/playerraider. It's free to view. And uh, interesting thing here, where you it, it loads everything up, and then there's little boxes at the top, and you can type in what you want. As, as like the filter. So you, under position, you just type C and that gives you all the catchers. You can do team, et cetera, et cetera. So they do run it a little bit differently than ESPNs. We used to lean on ESPNs, but after talking with Rudy and kind of playing with it a little bit, I like what they got going over there. So we've been, we've been using theirs, uh, or at least I have been lately, and we're doing it for this exercise here. So just went to tap 10 uh, each position. Just wanted to bring up a super surprising guy. That, uh, that deserves a little bit of shine. And I, I referenced this guy a moment ago uh, with regards to the catcher talk when we were talking about Buster Posey. Mitch Garver is going to lead, lead us off here among catchers. He's been bananas. Like, it's it's been off the charts. Tough part is it's it's hard to say that anybody would have really gotten all of this outside of maybe like an AL only where you're just rostering any catcher with, with a pulse because Willens Estadio was like the go-to guy. And then even Jason Castro was the guy who really had the job. So, you know, you might have jumped on board after the four for five with two homers against Jacob deGrom, in which case you've still gotten a 1073 OPS and five homers from Mitch Garver. He doesn't play a lot, but you don't need that out of catcher. Is is Garver somebody that you're hanging on to the rest of the year? 
I mean, I'll hang on to him until he cools or, down. Yeah, yeah, so. sorry, at least for the foreseeable future. We don't really have to plan for the rest of the year for anything. I think that that is a, uh, a, a faulty thing to use because it's like, well, no, I'll hold it until I need to reassess. Yeah. But is he someone you're getting in, in – what about even in one-catcher leagues for Garver? I mean, I think he's probably pretty well-owned in, in most one-catcher leagues. be surprised. Leagues. Yeah, I always say that, and then I'm, I'm shocked by – uh, yeah, I mean, if he's available, I'm 52%. snagging him up. Wow, that's insane. <laughs> in the ESPN leagues, which is yeah. one catcher, ten teams, so it's the, yeah, it's the I mean, shallow. Yeah, if he's available, you, like how how can you roster a guy like Posey and not just swap him out for a guy like Garver? That being said, I think this obviously comes down. I mean, his BABIP is three ninety right now. Uh, that should go up. Yeah, I think about 100 points. Yeah, yeah. Gotta, so, gotta points. Uh, I mean, he's probably more like a 250 hitter, uh, and I think I think the juice ball is really helping him because it's not like he's made huge gains in terms of exit velocity. I mean, he's pumped up a little bit, but uh, and his launch angle is actually lower than it's been in the past uh, and below the league average. Uh, where he's really crushing it is he's he's squaring things up. He's barreling the ball. Uh, you know, his barrel percentage is almost double from last year. Uh, it is 4% above the major league average. Uh, Let's go. I love how baseball savant doesn't even take him that seriously as a hitter because at the top of his page, the, you know, where they've got like the little, like uh, gr- uh little chart things. Yeah. Um, uh, they, they have the sprint speeding framing for him. Like they don't have the hitting ones up there. Oh wow! They're like, eh, yeah, yeah. Like, come on, no, no one's gonna be looking at this for, for, for <laughs> it, you know, for, for hitting. Um, That's amazing. <laughs> they need to update that. We should we should let them know because I think that it you know obviously deserves an update. He's been great. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I mean, he's not doing anything off the charts. I just think he uh, one he's barreling the ball, and in this environment, if you can barrel the ball, some of those are gonna go out. One thing I will say, though, too, about Mitch Garver is he did hit seven homers last year. So while he has matched his total in just 20 games, 268, 335, 414, he had some second catcher appeal last year as is. So it's not like this is a million percent out of nowhere. Obviously, at this level it is, but it was an 814 and 293, 814 OPS and 293 average in the second half that really kind of put him on the radar a bit. Um, Playing time is the tough part, though, because then, again, once Estadio comes back, He's going to at least get a catching opportunity every once in a while. Ideally, they would move Estadio onto the field a bit. But that'll be harder when Sano comes back, too. Correct. Right. Although Marwin, dude, has been. He's been atrocious. Oh, my God. And so maybe on a one year deal, right? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, one year, five million, I believe, because we said the Tigers probably should. Oh, no, two year, 21. Pardon me. Two year, 21. Who's one year, five million that I'm thinking of? I don't know. Doesn't matter. Um, So, yeah, 221. But he has been horrific. 206, 286, 280 right now for Marwin. You can't take him completely out of the lineup, but maybe the has one to year be a five skills. million with CJ Cron. There you go. There uh, you go. And another guy that they, I mean, he he's hitting for a little bit of power, but he's hitting 243. Uh, so I mean, sub Don't sub 300 on base percentage. It's almost as if they know what they're doing over there. It's crazy. Uh, but yeah, home runs galore for the Twins. Mitch Garver, definitely someone I would take a look at, even in a one-catcher league, and just just ride it out. Uh, at first base is the aforementioned Josh Bell. I remember when we did our first base preview, and I forgot him. We were doing like a mm-hmm. little tidbit about everybody, and I literally forgot Josh Bell. And so someone's like, what, you guys hate him that much? It's like, no, no, he was on the list. I just, I messed up. And so 
now we look and it's like, holy cow, he's been incredible. It was weird, though, because last year he really kind of fell off. Despite having a better WRC+, plus, he was much worse for fantasy because his home run rate was sliced in half from 26 to 12, more than in half, of course. But it went from 108 to 112 on the WRC+. Plus. But a first baseman who is like a better average, I don't, I don't need the seven points of batting average when you're having your home runs. I would much rather, you know, I, I would give you 10, 15 points of batting average to keep the bat, to keep the home runs where they belong. Mm-hmm. Um, this year, though, everything is off the charts. You want to talk about the baseball savant little, uh, mm-hmm. little, little board there? His is blood red. It is fantastic. The only thing that isn't there is sprint speed, which is the one you don't care about. And even that's in the middle, by the way. He's not a particularly slow first baseman for Josh Bell. He's he's about average. But everything else is almost pushed all the way to the right. Blood red for everyone except for the XBA. It's only 84th percentile, and I put only in quotes. He's been amazing. What do you think of Josh Bell, and are we headed for a career year? Is this going to continue where he actually beats even the 2017 numbers? Uh, shout out to Ariel Cohen, uh, who was, you know, I kind of mentioned when we talk, briefly talked about him earlier, that I was really in on him, uh, and it's all because of Ariel. Ariel showed me in, in the ATC projections that Bell was the most undervalued player by ADP. Wow. Um, coming into the season. So, uh, I, you know, big shout out to him. I think it is. I've always been a Bell fan, and I I believed in that 26 home run power we saw back in 2017. He really mm-hmm. struggled last year. Uh, the thing that never came to fruition for him, or has you know, hasn't until this year, was I always thought he was a, he was going to be a better batting average guy. He's he's, yes. he's got a really good control of the strike zone. Uh, he tends to make pretty good contact. Uh, I think he's definitely benefiting from the juice balls here because he barrels the ball so often. Uh, Puts him into the Allegheny River. Yeah. Oh, that was so sweet. <laughs> so <laughs> sick, dude. Uh, so I, I completely buy this uh, th- this breakout. I think he's probably going to hit 30-plus home runs uh, with like maybe a 280-something average at the end of the day. Yo, if you just followed uh, Ariel's uh, bold predictions here, You've got uh, you've got Max Fried on your team. Um, you might have Matt Barnes. You might you might have moved on from him after Brazier really started to get the saves, but he, he really loved Matt Barnes, who's actually been the better reliever. You've got uh, Eddie Rosario because he said he'll out earn Christian Yelich. Now that's probably not going to happen, but Eddie, it, it, it's also just an endorsement of Eddie Rosario. You've got Max Fried. And he had Zach Eflin over Nick Pavetta. Like he's on fire so far. <laughs> so big credit to uh, big credit to Ariel Cohen. Yeah, I I love what we're seeing out of out of Josh Bell here. This is this is fantastic stuff. I think there's a really a lot to like about what he's doing, and there's there's viability to it. Um, obviously, he's he's rostered everywhere now. But you know what the crazy thing is, is in a lot of shallower leagues, he's going to have been a roster. Uh, or a waiver pickup for folks. That's because crazy. Yeah. He likely wasn't drafted, particularly if you didn't use a corner. But even in leagues where you did, there's there's a chance he wasn't drafted in a 10 or 12 team league. I actually looked up my own 10 team head to head. He was drafted, cut before the season started by this by the by that guy and then and then picked up by somebody who obviously has not let go since for Josh Bell. So he's 
He's been amazing. It's been a, a heck of a ride, and I agree with you that I think we're going to see um, some stickiness here. I think we're going to continue to see Josh Bell be one of the better hitters uh, in the league, and I'm pretty excited about about what he's doing. So, all right, let's move on to second base, and that's going to bring us to Cattell Marte. And boy, has he been great. Now, that Diamondbacks offense has been sneak tip nice. They have just quietly uh, been really strong top to bottom. We actually mentioned a few guys earlier, Christian Walker, David Peralta. Uh, They've got those two cooking. They've got Eduardo Escobar cooking. Gerard Dyson, of all people, has a 124 uh, WRC+. Adam Jones has certainly cooled, but he's been a positive bat. One of the guys that I thought was actually going to be really good for them who hasn't is Wilmer Flores, although he's really heated up of late. And then Cattell Marte has nine home runs already, nine homers and three stolen bases. He had 14 and six all of last year and played 153 games. Where are you at on Cattell Marte right now? And do you see him as somebody who has some uh, some viability to what he's doing? Marte is an interesting case because six of his home runs have come in bunches. In, in three multi-homer games. From yeah. Both uh, homers from each side of the plate in all three of those games. What a, what a fantastic feat, by the way. Yeah. And like he he goes through these kind of stretches, these small stretches of where he's super hot, and then small stretches of where he's super cold. And so, like in your head-to-head leagues, he's probably killed you as many weeks as he's helped you. Right. Uh, that being said, I I do I do buy this, and I think this is one of those guys we kind of talked about early on in the season of if he's available, go out and grab him uh, because the Diamondbacks made a point of figuring out a way to get him in the lineup. And uh, I think he – I still think he's got more speed than he shows necessarily on the base paths, but – Oh, he has it. It's a matter of, of using it. Like yeah. the, the speed is there. He's been top 5% back in 2017. He hasn't quite been in the, the, that range the last two years, but he's an above-average runner, top 80th percentile this year. Yeah, so I'm uh, – you know – Although it's this hard – This is mostly, know, I think, about opportunity personally. I, I, I don't oh, for I don't, sure. like I don't think he's made like these huge changes and this is just about him finally getting a chance to really show what he has. It's hard to steal when you're just hitting extra base hits like crazy. That's true. 47% of his hits have gone for extra bases for Cattell Marte. Uh, but yeah, I'm sticking with him. Shortstop, second base eligibility. Uh, I definitely like that. You know, I'm I I had some intrigue uh, for him coming into the season. Got him in a couple spots. Feel good about that, obviously. But uh, he's he's definitely exceeded my expectations, which uh, even though I had a little bit of expectation for him as a nice middle, uh, he's obviously played himself into a starter at either shortstop or second base. Shortstop is so deep again. It's just that's true. uh, I mean, this is again the reason. Yeah, this is again the reason why I I talked about like if I uh, in shortstop, if I didn't get one of like those elite guys, I waited. Because, I mean, we've yeah. had just so oh, many shortstops just having fantastic seasons. It's It's been crazy. Uh, let's go to third base, and then we'll get to another shortstop who's come out of nowhere, which I'm sure you love, by the yeah. way. I Looking know you love to this that. One. Yeah. Uh, but we'll go to third base first, talk about Hunter Dozier, who we've definitely mentioned at times throughout the season. So far, he's been fantastic. Um, another guy who whose stat cast stuff looks excellent. 
I've been interested by what he's doing, where wherein uh, he's been a a same handed guy. He's beasting on righties and not really getting going against lefties. I don't know if that's going to improve or not. I don't think we should just assume it will because it's the righty lefty advantage. But um, he's really doing his damage against righties. Three seventy four, four forty eight, seven eighty for Hunter Dozier. Former number eight overall pick, too. So there is some pedigree here. It's just a little bit of a late bloom. I feel like he's always had the power. He also has some sneaky speed. Uh, that was kind of what had him on my radar this year and got him in some some leagues. Uh, I've been loving what he's doing here. Nine homers, only one steal. I don't think he's going to be like a, a a burner, but I think he can get you those chip-ins and and put, put you in like the seven to nine range of stolen bases if he plays a full season. Also a blood-red little uh, stat cast profile there where Everything is on the red side, including the speed. I love what Dozier's doing. First base, third base eligibility. I I, I don't believe in a 1088 OPS, but I believe in an all-formats play for the remainder of the year. Uh, yeah, I, I'm right there with you. And as long as I'm giving shout-outs to uh, other people who are on the podcast, uh, the late, great uh, Laura Michaels was a big fan of, of Hunter Dozier. Love it. Um, when he was coming up through the minors and then uh, he always waiting on that breakout. So um, this is all about uh, a new approach at the plate. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he is just not swinging outside the zone at, I mean, he's obviously still doing a little bit, but I mean, he had a 35% O swing last year, 24% O swing this year. And he's just waiting on people to come into the zone for him. And then he's crushing it when they do 96% zone contact percentage. Oh my God! I mean, these are these are changes that you can really see in a player uh, for Hunter Dozier here that that really back up what he's doing. Again, not necessarily to this degree. Everything will smooth out. Sure. But when when you're trying to have confidence in the 34 game sample while still acknowledging that it's a small sample, this is what you want to see: legitimate badass approach changes. And I think that's what we're seeing from Hunter Dozier. Of course, he's 100%. But he's someone I would actually buy high on, too. Like, I'd be open to trading for him, particularly if I needed the power, because I do think that the, that he's going to chase down, um, you know, 30 homers this year. I really do. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm, I'm full steam ahead on him. Now, you were super aggressive on this guy. You've always, I think you've liked him too much. I think that's what I would say is too much. Uh, I just got a DM from someone earlier today like asking me if I was changing my tune yet. I know you still catch thunder on this. You know, we I already covered you on this, though. Uh, well, a previous episode when we discussed Dansby Swanson was that you're fine with what he's doing now, though. This was never that he could never do well. It was that stop paying for him. And it was a year that after after he had the 302 average in a 38 game sample, he was being treated like a top like what 15 shortstop or something, and that was your big pushback. He was utter trash for two years, meaning you won, you were right. So then coming back around three years later and being good, I don't think proves you wrong. We discussed him on April 8th and kind of covered this, but Dansby Swanson has been a top 10 shortstop, which is crazy because you mentioned how deep it is, and it has been, and yet he's still maintained that. So got to give him some love here and at I'm least not, give him no. credit for what he's doing. I will not. Well, you're a psychopath. No. You know what his on-base percentage is uh, over what the last three weeks? It might not be good. I'm just talking about what he's done for the whole season, though. I know, but like it, this is the same thing as whatever it was a couple years ago, or la- it might have been last year. He, he gets off to a hot start, and then he's awful. 
Like he he's got a two seventy eight on base percentage over the last three weeks. It's like this is not <laughs> this this is still gonna end up with him outside of the top ten shortstop. Well, no kidding. Like, I don't think anyone would believe that. Or I hope not. Jeez. Bold prediction. The bold bold prediction. Dansby Swanson is not a top twenty shortstop rest of the way. Um. Go bolder. Really? Yeah. 20th is Glaber Torres right now. Again, one of those guys that I've been down on. Um, It's too deep. 19th is Manny Machado. Is he good? He's okay. Will he be a top 30? Where is he he at the basketball player writer right now, Swanson? Swanson's ninth. Yeah. So, okay. Ahead of Correa. Like, don't get me wrong. I think... Uh, you know, people. This is. It's fun when you know people. Uh, uh, you know, I take victory laps, and ninety nine percent of them are uh, in jest and joking. And so, of course, I'm going to eat a lot of crow when I'm wrong. I'm, I'm still not saying I'm wrong on this one. <laughs> like he's been, he's been fine. He's been good. Well, the thing for... of it is, like again, you already won that one, though. That's the thing. You can't be wrong. This is true. Uh, on on this one particularly with with Dansby Swanson, because your point was. Don't pay for this guy. He's not good. He wasn't good for two years. He could still be top 10 this year. And it would be foolish to be like, ha, Justin was wrong. All I had to do was go through two years of utter dog shit. And then (laughs) whammo, I got him in that third year. What a loser. It's like people who um, last year, was it last year when Chris Sale got nicked? I mean, he's never really been fully hurt. But like the little DL stints that he's had is like, ha. Knew it. Well, even this it when year, came pe- up. people have been like, oh, you know, it was how's, a matter of time for those oh, mechanics, yeah, you know, to catch up. Out? Well, I mean, who knows how how will finish and everything. But mm-hmm. I mean, if you're waiting, if you're waiting over a decade to to or <laughs> <laughs> to, to for 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 your uh, your victory Recall. lap, like I know that April and May are not the time to take victory laps, and that's why I have said. Uh, on here, on Twitter, when I make them, that I'm joking, people. Like you know, uh, that being said, if it takes you nine years to get your victory lap, that's too long. You, you, you're not winning. You yes. didn't win. You, you lost. have you have lost. Yes, you lost horribly. So, but that, that being said, in terms of Swanson, uh, I mean, the Statcast data is pretty intriguing on him. He is barreling the ball ten percent more than he did last year. That's, There's that one like, thing that, I like. Yeah. There's one thing I like. Is he plays too? Like the, uh, in addition to this power, is that he plays, and so maybe there is some middle appeal, mi appeal in a deeper league. But your point about how it's already kind of come back to the pack, uh, so w- he must have been just electric in the first in the first week? yeah first ten days he hit four okay. home runs. Oh, four of his six. Okay, yeah, he's hit two since then. Uh, he's hitting like two forty. Uh, I clicked off his page, so I don't have now. It. Okay, but since, okay, in that span, two ninety seven OBP since his uh, when he hit those four homers, and I just went from that point, the four homers, which was in eleven days, two two forty two, two ninety seven, three eighty five in, in those twenty six games since. Brutal, right? But that paces to thirteen homers and twenty five steals, and the only reason I use pace there is because he is going to play just about every day. Mm-hmm. Like I they, think the, they yeah, the intriguing play. part about him is the is the stolen bases. Yeah, if Swanson is allowed to just kind of run freely, that might sustain his value even as the bat 
is is poor. Well, and it'll be intriguing to see where they have him hitting because over the last couple weeks, he's been kind of alternating between second and sixth. Okay. So I mean, if they're gonna uh, if they're gonna bat him higher up in the order, uh, the counting numbers will be very uh, very good for him too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this I, could just be an accumulation piece with with uh, accumulating homers, steals, RB. You know, all, all the counting categories could just be solid enough to keep Dansby Swanson viable, even if he's oh, and his, I and I do think he's viable, especially because like part of you know he is an accumulator. I don't think he's going to ever be a star in terms of you know stolen bases or home runs, but he can accumulate. And if he's hitting second. Uh, in a very very good Braves offset, uh, Braves offense, he's going to accumulate stats, uh, and that will make him viable. He'll be uh, the way I don't know Joe Panic was with a little bit more pop, a little bit more speed a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Panic was you know hitting for a decent average and accumulating because the Giants' offense around him was pretty decent. Yeah. No, I I, uh, I I feel you on that. And so yeah, we're not saying just to completely get rid of him. But you know, I think yeah. there's I think there's a reasonable chance that he goes fifteen fifteen this year, and that and, and that plays yeah that plays in a league deep enough to already have him to already have Dansby Swanson that plays. And All if, right, I think if, we you're, spent if, if, if you're getting you know ninety runs ninety RBIs with that too, it really plays. Well, yeah, that I mean, if he does continue to bat high in the order, but uh, where they've been batting Albies, I think they've been moving him around. I think he let off a few times and cuz he's been awesome. Love that by the way. Oh, man. I I have a uh um a little thing that I write for the for the DFS uh column every time Altuve uh you know bats against a lefty. I mm-hmm. I, I do Alp. It's always Altuve <laughs> against lefty pitching. Uh, and I think Al- uh, Alves is going to be getting uh, a lot yes. of Alps because, uh, man, does he crush it. So he's been batting first. Yeah, he has been batting a ton of first. Only three games not batting first. Well, it's because Inciarte's been April so 7. awful. Yeah. Well, and I remember, and um, I don't know, I, I think every time we reference something from the preseason, it's like victory lap. But um, <laughs> it's, it's get, that's getting pretty tired. But I do remember in the preseason when people were worried that he was going to bat like six, I was like, well, that's where he's just slotted in right now. See, while you take that victory lap, I'll, I'll eat crow on it because I, I was one of them. I, I was when they started talking about Inciarte at the top of the order, I was like, oh, this is going to be really bad for somebody, and it looks like Albies. Yeah, see, I just, I, I was like, I think it's, I think it'll move around. It's not that I thought Inciarte was going to be terrible as he is, um, 298 OBP. I just was like, eh, it's it's a moving target type of deal. Let me bet on the talent there. So that's what I did with, with Albies. All right, let's move to the outfield here. And uh, as far as the top 20 goes, there weren't too many, like, holy smokes ones, uh, at least not ones that we haven't talked about. Like, um, you know, we've d- kind of done the Domingo Santana thing. Uh, Marte actually qualifies in the outfield now, too. I forgot about that when I was mentioning that he's shortstop uh, second base. Hello, he has three spots now. Um, you know, Victor Robles isn't surprising anybody. Uh, Michael Brantley's been a superstar uh, fantasy player before. Gallo, you know, so th- there were like some names that we didn't have there, but none of that, that really stood out except for one. And we have briefly mentioned him, but I want to give a little bit more shine to Dwight Smith Jr., the best player on <laughs> the Orioles, which, you know, is Low not bar. really high praise. Exactly. Yeah. 
but he's been fantastic. And he has six homers and four steals already. 284, 331, 485. Doesn't strike out much. Doesn't walk too much. But if you don't strike out, I, that's fine. You know, and, and he's going to play all the time. There's no reason for them not to play him. He's 26 years old. Uh, he bats near the top of the lineup. Or maybe at the very top. Hang on. Uh, is it second that he's batting mostly? Yeah, pre- predominantly second or third. Uh, so that's been fantastic. And, you know, he didn't have a major sample at all coming into the season. He had 104 plate appearances spread out over two seasons. But they were good, 293, 365, 467. Um, Not that we could really take much from it, but he just continues to be a positive major leaguer. And so far, he's been 15th on Razball's outfielder player rater. He's actually been ahead of Mike Trout. (laughs) So I don't know how that works. Yeah. I need Rudy to explain that one to me. Well, well, he's obviously better than Mike Trout. Well, no, his batting average is higher, though, and mm-hmm. it, it's not using OBP, so hang on. Let me see. He does have more runs, and he has more RBIs. Okay, there, that's how. They have almost – it's seven homers, five steals for Trout, six homers, four steals for Smith, but then he leads in all the other three categories, and there is one slot ahead of him, so that makes sense. Based on the numbers so far, that adds up. Nobody's saying that Smith's better than Trout like going forward, but so far he has been. Okay, I, I, I get it now. But anyway, Dwight Smith, discuss. Do you like him? Would you pick him up? He's still available in a lot of leagues. Yeah, I, I would pick him up if he's available. Uh, oh, I'm, scratch that. He's actually 99%. Then never they, mind. I'm not yeah. picking him up. Uh, well, you can't. <laughs> you can't. Uh, I'm not actively trading for him, though. I think there's some obvious regression coming. Uh, I don't think it'll be huge, uh, but I think he's probably more of a 250 hitter. Uh, I think he has uh, probably maybe another 8 to 10 home runs in him. Okay. Uh, He's making pretty decent contact in the zone, uh, which I think is helping, but he's also probably swinging outside the zone more than his profile can afford. Sure. So can, can can he be a like he's not Dwight Smith Jr. is not a huge speed guy. Can he just accumulate enough yes. steals though? I think he can accumulate enough of everything because the beauty of being on the Orioles is that the rest of the team around him is so bad that he looks like a star comparatively speaking. And so like how do you take this guy not just out of your lineup but out of the top of your lineup even if he goes through a, a prolonged struggle? I mean the rest yeah. of the team's going through a prolonged struggle their life so, is a struggle yeah, yeah. so like i i think worst case scenario you're looking at a guy that accumulates the rest of the season and he could end up probably close to 15 15 just by staying in the lineup uh and 15 15 80 80 yeah like why well, i mean you know maybe it's 70 70 because the team around him is so bad true that would be quite a low pace the rest of the way, though, because he's actually pacing for 110 of each right now. Yeah. But, so, yeah, maybe uh, 88 is probably more reasonable considering he's already got 23-23 on the books. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, but I'm saying that's worst-case scenario. Yeah, you know, that, that's if it really scenario, tanks. Yeah, best-case scenario is he keeps up doing what he's doing, and we're looking at a guy who's like a 25-17 guy at the end of the season. 
That'd be nuts. But yeah, if you got Dwight Smith Jr. right now, just keep riding it. There's no reason not to. And um, you know, he's he's been he's been really impressive. I agree with you. I wouldn't necessarily trade for him. Team context uh, doesn't help, but also just you know, there's not this is not like some major growth profile. He's been fine. Uh, he's back to some of what he's doing, but it's not like this this burgeoning batted ball profile that says, "Wow, this is this is a scintillating player." He's taking advantage of his opportunity and and the team that you know and the uh, um, park that he's in and everything. Wait till it heats up there though, too. That could help stave off. And uh, I love that he sprays. He's not a guy who's just trying to pull the ball. So yes. it's not like the pitchers are going to attack him in a certain way. He he can he can go everywhere with the ball. I mean, he's like thirty 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 in the. Uh, uh, you know, pull oppo middle, uh, and chart, and same so. with ground ball fly ball. He's not heavily mm-hmm. leaned toward one or the other. He's not riding some gaudy babip or his, homer his to fly, fly ball. Rate's actually gone down from last year. Yeah, He's, so we'll, we'll take this from uh, from Dwight Smith Jr. Yep. All right, uh, let's go to starting pitcher, and we did mention him no. briefly when we were talking about. I don't want to do this. We have to. We have to. Mm. Because uh, we talked a bit Domingo Herman already, uh, we actually Paddock, you know, that's kind of been done to death. Um, so we gotta go Caleb Smith because not only is he top twenty, which oh by the way I expanded, it was top ten for all the infield positions. Then I expanded to twenty for outfield and starting pitcher, but I could have kept it at ten for starting pitcher because Caleb Smith is ninth. Mm-hmm. You want to call Alex Fast real quick? Yeah, I think we should. All right, let's call. Let's see here. <laughs> he can answer during the workday. <laughs> See here. You're actually calling him. <laughs> oh, I sure am, dude. Uh, I don't. I don't think his job will let him answer. But if it does, well, it'll be great. We'll so. try. We'll leave him a message otherwise. <laughs> Which I don't know. What are we gonna leave a message? You were right, you idiot. What up, <laughs> What up? You're on the podcast right now with me and oh, Justin Mason. <laughs> so you won't Get be able to hear him. Here. But uh, but he'll hear he'll hear you, Justin. You can hear him, right? Yeah, yeah, I can hear him. So we're talking about uh, oh, the God. most surprising top ten. To that part out. Oh, <laughs> no, we're leaving it. Oh, Justin, God. did you hear how he, he introduced himself to me? Yeah, no, no, for sure. It's it's staying. Yeah, in. yeah, yeah. Uh, so we're talking about top ten pitchers that have been surprising uh-huh. on the on the Rasball Play Radio. Do you know who number nine is? Probably going to take a guess and say David Hess or Caleb Smith. <laughs> it's either David Hess or Caleb Smith. You're right. It is definitely one of those two. It's Caleb Smith. So we figure we give you we give you a call and give you a chance to take your uh, your your much deserved victory lap over the idiot Justin Mason. No, no, no. Idiot is way too kind a word. Um, oh, sorry. I mean, way too. Hard. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's that's a great idea. Uh, we know we got you in the middle of the workday. Why don't you give us a quick a quick you know forty five seconds on why Caleb Smith's been so effective though? Because he's been fantastic and it's been really well backed in his profile as well. So what what do you got on Smith and uh, and what should we be looking for going forward? Well, I mean, you know, where, where do you even start? I mean, you know, he's been he's been fantastic in every facet of the game. And last year, why I got excited about him was because he you know he obviously had this fantastic slider. And everyone was freaking out about it. Finished the year with a six point three p out. 
uh, at the beginning of the year in 2018, we were a little bit concerned about his fastball command, but then he started to write that ship a little bit. Then there were some concerns about his home and away splits. This year is just totally different. I mean, he's just a swinging strike machine. The big thing that got me really excited, that really puts him in that top tier, is his changeup. He's got mm-hmm. this third pitch now. His changeup's got a 24% swinging strike nasty. to it. That is nasty. So he's got this third pitch. He's got everything that you need. He's brought his uh, fly ball down rate by, I think last time I checked, he brought it down by 10%. It was at 50% last yeah. year, and now it's up seven, around 40%. Seven and a half. Overall, I think he has the, I think it's the highest swinging strike rate in the entire league at 16.7% yeah. overall. I, I'd so believe it. I just it. don't know what's not to like. You know? No, it, it's hard to find anything not to like about him. And I know Justin's big concern was the home runs. And, and, you know, being uh, prone to those, particularly on the road, he's brought it down to 1.05 rounded. It's 1.1, which doesn't look different than last year, but last year was 1.16. So it has come down a bit. Do you have any concerns about homers going forward still? Or are the homers like so often solo shots that you're not even that worried about those? Yeah, you know, it's so funny. If you take a look at the list of the people that he's given up these taters to, it's been such a bizarre list. I know it was like Roberto Perez, Sean Rodriguez <laughs> in his like second at bat as a Philly. Uh, and I think the most recent one, correct me if I'm wrong, was like uh, Albert O'Mora. Albert O'Mora, yeah. O'Mora. Freddie Freeman, that makes sense. Dansby yeah, Swanson, we actually just talked about him. Sean Rodriguez, Roberto Perez, and Albert Almora. That's hilarious. Yeah, so it's like he, he's just, you know, and a majority of those, are, okay, so I'm looking at some of them now. Ahead, ahead of the count on Freddie Freeman, 1-1 one, one count to Danzy Swanson, ahead of the count on Sean Rodriguez, and a, and a full count to Albert Almora Jr. They're just like they're just pitches that he's missing like everyone else, but when there's no one on base, then fine, give up a solo shot. Well, and you challenge like, Almora. You make him do something yeah. on a full count. You don't walk Albert Almora. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But, you know, if, 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 if the argument was like, well, you're giving up all these home runs, he gave up one in Wrigley, which is like when the wind is blowing, I can give up a home. I, like, I can hit a home run in Wrigley. Mm-hmm. So I, I just, I, you, you gotta be, you gotta be in on him. You just gotta. You gotta. Well, we had, we had to give you a buzz. Uh, the Caleb Smith hype train started with Alex Fast. Listen to him on Pitcher List with Nick Pollock every week on the corner. Thanks for answering, slut, and have a good rest of your day. <laughs> Thanks, guys. I, I appreciate it. Goodbye. Bye. And that was Alex Fast. Follow him on Twitter at AlexFast8. Did you enjoy that? I quit. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love Alex. And, uh. So good, dude. And I remember when they called you, it was so funny. And it was completely that same vibe that we just had there, tongue-in-cheek, having a good time. Mm-hmm. I was driving home from trivia just cackling because you couldn't even hear them. You were picking up your daughter, and it was like in a dead spot or something. Yeah, yeah and I was so- about to go over a hill. Yeah, they're trying to roast you, and you're like, I can't hear you guys. (laughs) It was great. But, yeah, you know, it's not like you didn't have valid concerns. Obviously, Caleb Smith has taken the next step, and I think what Alex highlighted there that I really like is the changeup because getting that third third pitch is so instrumental in in driving. It's huge for him. I mean, if you look at his splits, because, well, I mean, I'll eat crow because I was down on Caleb Smith. My concerns are – like still there invalid. I mean, you look, he his home run per nine on the road is like like huge. So we're like we're talking about this is a guy who could still struggle 
on the uh, you know with homers on the road. But like you like you said and he said, if you're not putting men on bases, the homers aren't going to hurt quite as much. And if yeah. he got he has that home park to protect him when he's at home, then you know he's 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 going to be fantastic, and he has been. And uh, I, I wish I had uh, come around to Alex's way of thinking prior to that. So or prior to this. So uh, I have him ranked as a top 15 pitcher right now uh, in my most recent starting pitcher rank, and I uh, don't see any reason why he can't continue it. I, I don't either with regards to what Caleb Smith's doing. It's, it's, it's very, very well backed in his profile. Last thing on Smith, should the Marlins trade him? He's 27 no. years old, left-hander. I mean, like, unless you're getting... They have years of control, but what if you... I mean, what if you can get something big if you if they could get like a huge huge deal then they got him through 2024 though i mean i guess but i mean that or, this could all end in an instant right i mean i mean that's kind of what i'm that's kind of the point i'm trying to make that's so why i'm saying at 27 is he even going to be around for their next like what, what's going to be in probably uh, not 31 their next time that they're great if they you know if, if it comes but they have to get a haul like you you have to get I know they're gun shy about the trades right now because of what they've gotten on selling off these stars. Maybe don't trade an outfield of all stars then. How about that? Yeah. You could also just not do that. Yeah. Could you imagine the team they'd have right now if they had just kept it all together and Jose kept Fernandez outfield, hadn't kept died? Luis and Castillo and Chris Paddock. Somebody tweeted out the other day, like if 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 they had, you know, this Marlins team could have this, and I was looking, I was like, wow, that's a really good fucking team. It's, stupid the kind of talent that they've brought through the system uh yankees man they they, they could certainly use uh caleb smith around this around this time the, he was trading with garrett cooper oh he was on the cleveland indians oh no i i thought I, oh I've, no no i, I, I thought I you were... the yankees traded him but yeah, you're right yeah um i mean he, there'd be a market i don't know maybe, maybe there's too much team control to, to trade him but I feel like if they could get the right haul, it might be worth the Marlins taking a shot there to see if they can parlay this into a a uh, uh, farm system changing sort of deal. I don't know, uh, yeah. but the, the, the they don't, should, they the should definitely explore it, and I'm sure they will explore it. But uh, it's just so it, it seems like teams don't want to give up these top prospects anymore either. So, uh, and why why would you when so many of them hit right away? No, I understand. I understand. All right, last one, reliever, Shane Green, man. It's been <laughs> awesome. He's got 13 saves, leads the American League. I believe uh, um, Kirby Yates, I think, has 14 leading leading baseball. But uh, Shane Green has not only been awesome with the saves, but everything's backed up with what he's doing. Again, when I say that, I don't mean that the 169 nice ERA is going to hold or the .75 whip. What I do mean, though, is that his skills have really improved. To 32% strikeout rate. The 7% walk rate is in line with last year, but he also has a big swing strike rate boost. Uh, his pitches are just better. Um, I think he's been in the zone uh, a little bit less, which was something that, that I wanted to see from him while still not affecting the walk rate. So he's getting he's getting guys to to come out of the zone a little bit more, and you know again you're not expecting a 171 BABIP or a 98% left on base rate to hold, but if he's a three ERA, 115 WHIP the rest of the way with with a 28% strikeout rate for Shane Green, do you not take that to the bank all day? 
I mean, you got to take it to the bank all day because I think there are a lot of people who didn't think he was going to get 13 saves this season. Correct. Most people, I guarantee you, a minimum of 30% of leagues had Joe Jimenez drafted over Shane Green. Yeah. Um, a and, minimum. And I, I, if, I, I've said this a million times. Uh, never invest in prospect relief pitchers. Like it just, you're, you're right. It just never works out uh, to the way we think it's going to. And for and for every guy that ends up coming up and being a stud closer, you've got 15 guys that never. You know how long have we been waiting for Ray Black to be a thing? Yeah. Like so, yeah. I mean, even you know, Joel Zumaya oh, or Zumaya. Okay, stop. You don't have to bring up Tigers. Okay, <laughs> stop. Hey, I started with a giant. That's true. That's true. But yeah, um, I'm trying to think of oh, there was one that was on my brain, but I, I, I missed it. You know, Jordan Hicks has done well this year, but he was a disaster last year, and he was somebody who was getting uh, love. Now he was like a late bloomer uh, in in spring, where it's like, wow, this guy's going to get a role, but he was being picked up as opposed to drafted. But yeah, with with Joey Menez, everyone was just kind of hoping that he would just bypass Shane Green. They've built up his value. If they he don't trade him, they're he may insane. Some, yeah, he he probably will at some point. But and, but long after everyone cut him. Yeah, like yeah, can't hold I him. don't. Th- no one's holding him right now. So not uh, nearly good enough to be held. No. First off, he's not doing that. I mean, he does have 15 strikeouts per nine, which is great, but the ratios just aren't there to, to and, keep and it going. And what's the guarantees? Even the closer it, when they do trade him or something, exactly. you know, where he falls. Or falls off, you know, the face of the earth or whatever. Uh, they could go elsewhere. Well, why would they? You know, do they really want to be uh, uh, paying arbitration numbers on this young guy? It's a good point too. That that might be even the bigger reason to not get hyped on these guys, is that in, unless they're forced into it, the teams don't necessarily want to do it because saves still pay in arbitration. Antiquated, yes. Stupid, yes. Is it the way it is though? Yes. And so. Just because we don't agree with it doesn't mean that we can't that we shouldn't abide by it as far as uh, our, our fantasy strategies and whatnot. So definitely be careful with that. But uh, Shane Green's been awesome. I think you can get moved. I don't know that you necessarily have to get out from under this because I don't think it's a hundred percent that he gets moved to be a um, a, a non closer. So uh, I think that's going to wrap us up there with Shane Green. But Justin, it was great talking with you. And uh, we'll be back next week. Definitely.